The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Tonight's episode of Radioactive Metal is dedicated to the memory of Rex. Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Drink Till Midnight Pistol Dawn episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 702, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. And dear listeners, you need to possess yourself a cup of True Coke Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T-Coffee.com. It's the hottest it's the blackest. It's the most metal coffee you're ever going to get your hands on. If you subscribe, not only do you not run out of coffee because it's showing up every month, you also get not one but two great bands curated by Mr. Coffee Bean Oculti himself. Also, check him out on Instagram, trve.kvlt.coffee. Also, look for Embodiment Printing Press because um, if you've noticed, if it hopefully by now... You've got yourself on the mailing list. You get the emails. You see the cool shirts. You see the cool mugs. You see the pint glasses. And you're like, wow, this is some really crazy cool stuff. Like, I wonder how they do all this stuff. And um, that's Coffee Bean Oculta. Like, he he designs it. He makes it. He teaches himself Photoshop. And he built a... He, he built a rig so he could print on cylindrical objects so he could screen print a pint glass right like that that's just the type of type of people we're talking with here so we're not talking somebody who's has some other coffee company say hey why don't we sell some coffee and put your name on it because you know rock stars are doing that this would be cool this is no, too many of them. Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean nothing against them. It's great, you know. If you really like the coffee, that's a whole good thing. But this is a guy who's raising a family who just loves coffee, loves metal, and cannot keep still, and is doing creative things to bring to you the good metal people. So go check them out, support them. Don't delay. Fair enough, fair enough, for sure, for sure, for sure. We're always um, got our subscription at True Cavalt Coffee, 
here in Snowy Manor, but for myself right now, I'm not imbibing on the Drew Cavalt coffee. I got the Lemmy's going because Bullocks. it is. <laughs> it is, yes. It is actually a gorgeous, gorgeous Friday night. I almost feel bad. Almost, almost. You know, this is always the highlight of my day when you and I sit down and talk to all of our beautiful listeners and all that. Almost wishing that I could be out in a boat because, like, here, here in Winnipeg, man, I should be suntanned by now. It's now the beginning of June, and now we are only finally done with the snow and the rain and the dark clouds and all that. We're finally getting some decent weather, which is actually a good thing because it's Pride Month. I imagine it's Pride Month in the U.S. as well. well one sure of the is. things that we always we always like to do up here is the Pride March on the sun, the first Sunday or Saturday of 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 Pride, and that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be, you know, catching up with some old friends and representing Ninja Cat Productions and all Get that. So back, it's, Ninja well, Cat. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it's definitely going to be a hell of a weekend, and we are starting it off right with all of you beautiful people. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your week. Now, Oy. I know I said I know I said this last week when I said it wasn't going to be a three-hour marathon, and it turned into another three-hour yeah. marathon. Don't say things like that <laughs> because yeah. you know maybe. Yeah, because like I want to say no, no, no. It's it's not going to it's not going to turn into that. But dude, I don't know now. You, I really have me thinking because tonight's discussion is that wicked uh, pistol uh, miniseries that was out and about. I think the FX channel aired it, and now it's streaming. I believe on Hulu in the U.S. You were saying Hulu in the U.S. and then internationally Disney Plus and Star Plus. Right, right. That's that. That's how I. That's how I checked it out. So, yeah, we binged the show. It's absolutely fantastic, and it's like, hey, we got to sit down. We got to talk this show, man. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's what we're going to do before we get on with everything. Um, at the top of the hop, unfortunately, there was a dedication this week, and a lot of people might be going, like, what's he talking about, Rex? What's that? You know, this doesn't make any sense. Well, um, Mr. Travis Nolette, we've played many. He's a local punk drummer here in the Winnipeg metal scene. And we've had, we played a lot. We've played a lot of his bands. We actually had him on the show once because he did a lot of uh, house shows, which of course house shows is a big part of the hard the hard music scene. So I called Trav up and said, "Hey, you know what? You have this house show coming up. I'm going to show up early, press record. Let's talk all about it." Okay, part of his house shows. Okay, he has two puppy dogs, Murphy and Rex. Okay, and these two lab puppies were... Okay, every house show or every time they the one of his bands jammed and they had people come by, every house party, you know, no bands playing, where everyone's just pissing it up at Trav's and all that. Like, they were all... The puppies were always there. 
They were always happy to see everyone, and everyone took time out to pet them and play with them, and and they were just a part of the Winnipeg scene. Well, unfortunately, we lost Rex this week. Just not just not natural causes, and a lot of people within the Winnipeg punk scene were kind of bummed about it. Oh, geez, because, yeah. Because yeah, okay, someone might say, "Well, it's just a dog." Well, That's not no, just no, a it's. Dog. It, it's not just a dog. Rex and Murphy are part of the Winnipeg music scene. And so I lost a friend this this week. So yeah, that's why we kind of took 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 a moment out to pay tribute to him. Uh, but apart from that, maybe it's time to get on with the grunt here as my dad would say for those good folks at True Cavalt Coffee. Let's get into our mandatory metal segment. Really cool album coming across my desk this week, courtesy of Prosthetic Records. June 24th will be, I believe, the debut album of Volcandra. Their record, Border War, drops then. So without further ado, let's go with that for Mandatory Metal. This is Volcandra with Talon 4.
Okay, dude, what's going on? All right, man. So, Nuquar dropped today. I was giving that a listen. The Witch? Guar. Nuquar album. Oh, 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 you said new. <laughs> okay, I thought you said nuke and then something else. Oh, you know what? Who knows what's going on with <laughs> internet and stuff with storms around here. But yeah, <clears throat> no, like a new Guar. And mm-hmm. um, Lizzie Hale's on it. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay, that record came across my desk too, but I haven't had a chance to give it a sh- uh, give it a give it a listen. But I didn't know Hale was on it. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Like it's there's a song in it that's really creepy, and it, this this is like I was thinking about this being like the new Guar. We'll say so. You know, Dave Brocky, Odorous Urungus passes away in 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, Beefcake the Mighty, who is based from 87 to something. But he's uh, there's not a single original member left without Brocky. But, you know, Beefcake's the closest we're going to get. So he steps up. Mm-hmm. He takes the, the vocals along with Volvatron. And I'm not sure what happened there because she was a fun character. Like, I really, mm-hmm. really dug her. But, um, but so he steps up and it's just different, right? Because, like... Brocky really kept up that persona of odorous and always had that sense of, you know, Guar is this band, this they're it's not that it's a joke, but they're poking fun at everything. Like it, it's it's living satire 24-7, I think is the best way to put it. And mm-hmm. when, when you think of songs like Slaughter Rama. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, hey, why is that Nazi skinhead wear um, red suspenders? He doesn't have to tell you. <laughs> and then they kill him, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just because I, I, I went back and listened to that album the other day. I'm like, man, this shit is brutal. And it's it's just it's satire. It's really funny. I mean, it's intense satire. It's certainly not for the, the light of heart. But yeah, like it's it's satire and just. It sounded creepier with beefcake. Like I, there was all you, you always had that wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of feeling from Brocky, you know. And beefcake's oh, sure. delivery is much more serious. Like, like you know, you didn't get the wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of stuff going on there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So that was out, and then. Um, I watched Bill and Ted's Face the Music this past week, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember when it first hit the streaming services, and I, I, I checked it out then, but I'm sorry. I have to go back and see it again, because I'm not really registering much of it. We should both watch it again, because um, there's a lot of stuff that I found fun. Um, I enjoyed the lady that played Rufus's daughter. Because I've seen her in a few movies, and she's just a really fun actress. Um, some of the jokes that they had going on just kept me chuckling the whole time, you know. But um, what I really dug was they go back through time. And if anybody hasn't seen it yet and you don't want to be surprised, pause this now, jump over this section or whatever, go watch it. <laughs> I think but the statute is, is is up by now. That's what I would think is like at least a year old, right? Like it's been mm. it's been out for a while. People have had access to it. So um they're going through space and time to give people instruments so they can all play this song together. 
and somebody hands Jesus a cowbell. And <laughs> it's so quick, and you're just like, oh, what? You know, and, and it's during... Um, Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting of, you know, the the Last Supper. Like, it, it's basically set like that. That's what they use. And so, mm-hmm. so you're just kind of like, this seems familiar. Why? And then later, they just showed Jesus going to town on that cowbell. Oh, it's so good, dude. It's so funny. <laughs> Mark Cowbell. Mark yeah. Cowbell. Yeah, it's just, I'm like, I cannot believe they just handed Jesus a cowbell. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> believe this. You know, but anyway, that's all I got this week, man. What's going on with you? Uh, myself? No, not not wanting to talk about, you know, the Pistol TV series just yet. So I just really didn't have much much going on myself. I did hit the um, record store, though, and I grabbed a couple cool things. Um, you're, you remember, you're fan of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Big fan, yes. Okay, right on, right on. Of course, with baseball season starting, you know, I've got the song Center Field going through my head. Hell yes. At at all times. Was was KTEL a thing for you in the U.S.? KTEL Records and the the KTEL company? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Like they were most mostly noted for their compilation albums. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, I remember. I remember now when I was a kid, we went down for a holiday to South Dakota, and I bought like Hit Express on a track, which was which was a KTEL. And then when I got up here, I found Hit Express, same cover. Okay different track listing though that's funny Almost, just just because i guess you know, the, you know well we deal with red tape and legal mumbo jumbo and all that on on this show so i guess different areas couldn't get certain rights or whatever crap you know so yeah that's that, that's right ktel is was kind of a thing in the u.s well in 1977 okay at least in canada KTEL released the best of Cretan's Clearwater Revival. Rock on. I, I found a secondhand vinyl copy of that. And I don't know, just for some reason. Okay, them just putting out a CCR, Greatest Hits. You know, I, I, I kind of got a chuckle from that. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know why. It just... Because, I don't know, because KTEL just didn't seem like a real record label. It was just... You know, they just made these compilations and just pushed them out there and yeah. all that. So for them to for them to do something like that, I kind of got a chuckle. I remember when I when I, I I just brought it home, I put it on the stereo in the living room. First song, "Proud Mary." My mother in law comes out of the kitchen. Are you listening to CCR? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just bought this here and all that because she's used to hearing all the you know, the brutal death and thrash and all the punk and all that. So whenever, you know, I put on a, like a CCR record or a Stray Cats record or something that she can kind of relate to, she kind of comes out of the woodwork. <laughs> it's like, well, well, okay, don't, don't get used to it because it's really not going to be happening <laughs> very much. Same time I grabbed that 
grabbed this really cool two disc um, live Ramones box set, sort of. The Ramones, it's a live 74 oh, to 1996. Yeah. yeah More of that. With the, with, with, with the pink cover. I've only, I only got it through the first disc. And there's a lot of there's a lot of history in this man. Oh my yes. You know, you know, I'm so I'm so glad I found this, you know, the same week as, you know, the 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 pistol series was released because they're kind of companion pieces to one to one another. Where the you know the pes the pistols, the Ramones, like how how many have had the same fans? And all that, and they they were spoken in the same breath as well. So seeing all of these really old, these cool cool clips from the Ramones from CBGBs in '74, and you know in '77, and all that, it's like this this is gold. <laughs> you know, this is a lot of really cool stuff. So I can't wait for this the second disc when we start getting into the '80s and then into the '90s. And all and and all that because it just and it's just a testament to just how long the like it it took the band members dying, you know, for the Ramones to finally okay this is it, you know, like you you can't go any further when you are dead. And I, I just I mean like, I think Jimi Hendrix's estate would disagree with you. Well, yeah, you could keep pushing stuff out and, and, and all that. But my point is, the Ramones, Lemmy, you know, like these artists went as long as they could until their bodies just shut down and all that. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Hit the comic book shop and I grabbed a bunch of other stuff. But um, the one I wanted to talk about here quickly is a new Elvira series. Okay, it's just a quick mini series from Dynamite, Elvira in Horrorland. Oh, that sounds like fun. Okay, and yeah, yeah, I'm flipping through it right now. It's really cool. The first episode or the first issue is a parody of the psycho shower scene with uh, Janet Lee. Oh, from, well from, aware. From yes. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, there's a nice, uh, a nice parody of that, <laughs> as only Elvira can do. So, really, really, really cool stuff. Speaking of the Scream Queens, though, okay, while I was out buying these records and comic books, I found a DVD copy of the uh, low budget TNA horror film Nightmare Sisters. I've never heard of that one. Okay. You've never heard of that, okay? Never. But you've heard of look, you've you've heard of you've heard of B B movie Scream Queen from the eighties, and she's actually still making movies. My all time favorite actress, Linnea Quigley. Oh yeah, you've heard of her? Yeah, it's 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 one of her movies. Okay? okay. On top of that, Michelle Bauer and Brink Stevens as well. Like this is one of those movies. Like when you're talking about these actresses' discographies. Or filmographies, I should say. This movie always comes up. Like, it's just a, it's a stupid, low-budget frat boy and girl with um, just a lot of tits and ass and this, uh, turning the a demon, turning the girls into a succubus. And it's just, it's, 
It's just I mean, it is. What it's, else it's, are you it's, gonna do? With them? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's exactly what you think it is. Is it's just it's just good fun. Okay. I hadn't seen this movie though since since I was a teenager. So when I saw a copy of it, I snapped it up right away, and I had forgotten all about the soundtrack to this movie. Now there was never, I don't think, a official soundtrack album and all that. That's really too bad because um, Haunted Garage. You may recall from the '80s, Metal Blade put out a, a couple of their records. They they contributed heavily heavily to the soundtrack, as well as the punk band The Skirts. Oh, rock on! The Skirts, yeah, The Skirts was Linnea Quigley's punk band that she was in right before her acting career started taking off. Yeah. For, Say say what you will, or whatever. I don't think the skirts really made much of an impact, and probably the only people that remember them are guys like me that were that were Linnea Quigley fans and all that. But to hear the skirt song "Santa Monica Boulevard Boy" on the soundtrack, it's like, oh shit, that's right. Okay, this is this is some really cool stuff. I do a little more investigating and all that. And, and while I couldn't find any of the Skirts albums anywhere, I did see they made an appearance on a compilation record called The Sound of Hollywood Girls. Okay, which is late 70s, early 80s, punk and metal bands. Okay, well, also on this compilation album was Bitch. That Bitch, okay, that... Metal Blade d- discovered and put them out on their Metal Massacre series and their wow. first couple records and all that. Yeah, yeah. As well as the band Hellion and Boleyn's Hellion as as well. And of course, Hellion would go on to be, you know, a legendary underground band in their own right. And Boleyn would go on to form new Renaissance records as well so to find this compilation online it's like oh fuck man okay you got the skirts you got bitch you got hellion i want to check out these other bands hey some of these are really cool i need a vinyl copy of this (laughs) you know so i think i think this week i'm definitely going to be um scouring the interwebs for that i know you're not much of a wrestling fan oh Okay, but yeah, obviously, but I mean, I I'm at least aware of it. Okay, you know. okay. Well, the big competition to the WWE, the only competition right now, is All Elite Wrestling AEW. I okay. really didn't realize there was any competition. Oh, okay. Well, yes. <laughs> yes so yes. Uh, I, I retract my awareness statement. <laughs> okay. Well, AEW. Had their big double or nothing pay per view this this past Sunday, so I joined my Wrestling Night in Canada co-hosts Matt Copper and, and Dustin Maruk at Matt's place, and we sat down and had some beer and whiskey and pizza and had a grand old time watching this pay per view. One of the ladies' matches: Britt Baker versus Ru- versus Ruby Soho. Oh, I, 
Oh my goodness, why did I see that? Was did Rancid play? Because as the girls, as they individually came to the ring, Ruby Soho's theme song, okay, is Rancid's Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho. Oh, obviously, okay. Rich Ward from Stuck Mojo and Fozzie, okay, played out played um Brit Brit Baker's theme song as she came to the ring. And yes, you heard it correctly. The whole Rancid band played Ruby Soho as she came to the ring. It was oh it was gold. It, it, it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And of course being the heavy music fan yeah. as well and so our our co- cohorts, we had no idea that they were going to be doing this. It's not like they announced, you know, see Rancid live at Double or Nothing and all that. Nothing. Nothing. So when when Mr. Ring announcer announced, ladies and gentlemen, Rancid, fuck yeah. <laughs> and we knew, okay, they're doing Ruby Solo. It's like, wow, wow. When did the dude get such a big beard? Well, it's so funny you say that because um... – I think now, like one of my one of my college buddies sent me like the the video them playing on Instagram, and I'm like, okay, in the '90s they were as punk rock as it got, and now they look like bikers, mm-hmm. and they yeah. look more like hoodlums today than they've ever looked in their <laughs> life. They got to be pushing sixty now. Yeah, but what's crazy is like, I mean, they never ever looked like oh. We could take them. You know, you, you never got that feeling. But now you just got like, you know what? Um, I'm not just going to cross the street. We're going to get in the car and go a completely different route. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> they look terrifying now. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 If you don't mind me using some wrestling terminology, we really marked out for both of that. That was absolutely Fantastic. Let's get to some tunes here. Some cool records that came across my desk. Uh, First of all, okay, and these two releases that I'm going to talk about kind of epitomizes this show. Okay, because we've got this really cool upcoming hardcore band and this classic classic metal band really really influential and that's kind of the you know that's been the wheelhouse of radioactive metal for for a number of years now first of all canadian hardcore band the slime released their debut record on cursed blessings living on borrowed slime now tell me that's not a wicked title that's a phenomenal title for, for for a band called that, yeah. So that obviously, well, being a Ghostbusters fan, obviously caught my attention right away. It's like, oh, a hardcore band called The Slime? Okay, I'm going to give this a spin. And I got to say I'm digging this. It's nothing we haven't heard before. But okay, okay, I, I can definitely get behind this. Good, good, good Canadian boys as well. So we can't argue with that. New Anvil is available now as well. Their their record came across my desk. And it's and whenever there's an Anvil record, a, a new one, we gotta get behind it. We gotta celebrate it. We've had we've had lips on the show before. We'll definitely have them on again. Probably with this record, we probably should have 
but I can't wait till the boys come back to Winnipeg again and we'll sit down, we'll have a beer, do one of our action interviews with him because the guy's a buzz. Like he really is. Like our longtime listeners will remember the interview that we had with him. You know, just 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 between that and playing solos on stage with the dildos and all that. Like it's like it's fucking anvil. So them being fucking anvil will forgive them that the new record is called Impact is Imminent. <laughs> okay, because they like the alliteration, you know, how they have all of their songs, the speed of sound, you know, hard and heavy, forged in fire, you know, and I guess it was just time for the eyes. And of course, you know, a lot of older veteran fans might be going, ah, what? Fine, they're ripping off Exodus. Well, honestly, I don't know how many Exodus records Anvil really has in their collection. And if they are, are you arguing with lips? I'm not. I'm not. What? Yeah. No. No, 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 for sure, for sure. So, without further ado, we are going to celebrate all that is Anvil from the first single from the impact is imminent record this is a ghost shadow only the shadow knows
I know I like to say the expression drop a track, okay, but I don't know, am I getting myself into a little bit of trouble here if I say that I just dropped the skirts? I don't know. <laughs> you dropped your skirts? <laughs> I just, just dropped the skirts, yes. That is Linnea Quigley and LA punk band The Skirts with the aforementioned Santa Monica Boulevard boy, great stuff, great stuff. I think that's something that um, probably a lot of Quigley fans that really, and that's when I I knew I discovered who she was through her trash character in in Return of the Living Dead, and then I I kind of w- went back a couple movies, and then from there, and then was just a fan all all the way up to today. But I think. The fact that she's was so heavily connected to the alley punk scene back then, that that kind of gets lost in the Linnea Quigley headcanon, the fan headcanon biography. I think that I think that kind of gets lost. So, I we want to keep that going. We want to keep that going, and I definitely want to have, you know, I want to have Linnea Quigley as a creature feature on the show because. Okay, not only my big fan like of her horror films and all that, but like I said, the trash character in in Return of the Living Dead, the you know these these punk characters, it it fits it. Oh, yeah. it, it totally fits it. So, yeah, yeah, something to consider. And of course, before that, that was the slime. 
from their record Living on Borrowed Slime. I just like saying that title. That's awesome. With real garbage. Great stuff, great stuff. Available now, once again, on Cursed Blessing Records. And, of course, if Cursed Blessing kind of rings a bell, that's the indie label that put out those um, awesome Live in 85 Slaughter and Sacrifice albums as well that we went gaga over on this show so great people great music go check it all out well my friend you managed to get through pistol i did yes yes and what what pistol is if uh, you're just kind of tuning in now, um, there was a really cool mini series on the FX channel, okay, and was released in various different uh, streaming platforms. Like you said, down in the U.S., it was on Hulu, and up here. In Canada, it was on the it was on the Disney. I almost said Crave. There, no, it was on the Disney Plus um, app up here as well. Which that okay, that was that's the first thing I want to talk about. Okay, with with this whole thing, let's go right to the very beginning. I understand Disney's not just for kids anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, okay, because. Like it, it's actually been that way for a long for a long time now. Did they not start Hollywood Records and the first band they signed was Danzig? Back, oh, is that true? Back, yeah, yeah. Like their the Hollywood Records l- oh, label fuck, was was it I was it was this. Disney. Yeah, it was owned by Disney. So it's not like they're you know, it's not like Disney is just keeping it tried and true to the kitty material, like when they're buying Star Wars and all that. And yes, Star Wars is is for kids originally, but there are probably more adults now that are enjoying all of the various different Star Wars miniseries and movies than 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 the kids are. Well, I think before. Um... Before Disney Plus, it was easier for them to keep. Um, it was easier for them to keep that stuff quiet when when it didn't fit the right. Disney image. <laughs> and they're they're way better at separating themselves from that. Oh yeah, you oh know? yeah, because it's like yeah, we'll take your good Danzig money here, but we don't want to admit that it's us. Yeah, no. Yeah, for sure, for for sure, for sure. With with just with all of that, it I wasn't I wasn't surprised, but I was when it, it did pop up on 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 the Disney Plus streaming service. My second point about this is the parental controls. Okay, they announced okay up now on Disney Plus the full series streaming go go watch it okay so i do okay how come i can't find it what's going on here so i could i have a roku tv 
Okay. So I end up just searching pistol. Okay. Available with Disney Plus with your prescription. Okay. So I click on it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't have access to it because apparently I have my parental controls on my on my on my TV. It's like what? No, I never put there's no way in hell like anyone that listening to this obviously knows that like family is an f word for me you know <laughs> yeah like <laughs> you know so i don't want any of that shit on my tv i'm a grown ass at all you know i can watch whatever the hell i want well you know i just think that and i understand why it's there you're a parent i'm a parent well you still have young young kids my kids growed Okay, and I understand why it's there, but I would think that the parental control is something that you as the parent, the onus is on you to fix it, to set it up, not to take it off if you don't want that shit on your TV, which I don't. So this kind of irritated me. We ended up having to Google it and when I ran out of time, I was doing other things. We had to call Little Snowy, and she straightened it out and got that shit off my TV so and all that. So what you're saying is to remove the parental controls, you had to call your child. I had to call him. Yeah, I had to call my offspring to get. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out, you know, like, like, like did, say, yeah. say that formally. <laughs> you know, you you had to get your child to help you with the parental controls. I did, I did. Yeah, that's just the way I roll, man. Well, and I find <laughs> that really funny because um, when I was like fourth or fifth grade, um, my 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 friend's mom couldn't open childproof caps. She always had to have my friend do it. <laughs> So, like, she'd right. have one of us do it. Like, we were the only ones that could open the childproof cap. She yeah, couldn't do, do it. Do, do you not see the irony here? Oh, that's just <laughs> it. That's why I love it, right? But, like, to your point with the Disney Plus, I, I actually applaud them for that because the, when when that happened is when they brought all the stuff from Netflix to Disney Plus. So, like, the Jessica Jones, the, um, the Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Like, that sort of no, stuff. No. And mm -hmm. that's when they beefed it all up. And they sent an email out to everybody. They're like, hey, you know, here's what's going on. The controls are changing. It's going to default to this. If you want to see these other things, you're going to have to go in and change it. And I think the reason they did, they wanted to default it is because you know how crazy this wacko cancel everything society is. Oh, definitely. If all of a sudden some four-year-old is sitting down watching the kingpin slam the door until the guy's head comes off, you know, everyone's mm -hmm. going to try to cancel Disney. I can't believe they let my four-year-old watch that. Well, Disney didn't. You're the asshole that left him alone with a remote. But, right. you know, nobody's going to say uh, that. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, I am. I am. I've I've been saying that ever since my little kid was born. I said it's not up to Marilyn Manson to 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 parent my child. It's not up to Vince McMahon. It's not up to George Romero. It's it's up to me, and and and, and Mrs. Snowy. So you're right. You're right. 
I feel like George Romero would do an all right job, though. <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, no, for so sure. So, I mean to tell you, for, for this discussion tonight, since we're talking about the Sex Pistols and they're from Jolly Old England, I am wearing my Spam shirt because, you know, Spam was always a big thing on the Monty Python uh, show. Ah. And I'm also drinking a beer that is called Munich Mayhem because it has a punk rocker with a mohawk on the can. And I honestly think that both of these things would really piss off Johnny Rotten, which is as punk rock <laughs> as it could get. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Johnny Rotten from back then. I'm sorry to say the Johnny Rotten of today. Okay, like. Green Day, okay, has has taken a lot of flack from us old timers. You know, it's not real punk. It's it's this, it's that, and all that. Well, I've had like a Green Day fan respond by saying, "Okay, old timer, you know what Johnny Rotten is like these days? He's all MAGA and he's all the tr Trump supporter and he's this far right wing nut now." Michael Graves from the Misfits, okay, he's one of those fucking proud boys now, <laughs> and, and all that. So we, the veterans, we kind of have to take our lumps as well. Like we have to, we have to watch our our, our gatekeeping because some of our our heroes from the past, you know, are 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 kind of are kind of dropping the ball. Yeah, on both sides. With, with that. Oh, for sure. Both sides of that fence. Yeah, it, yeah. and it's it's interesting some of that. Um, it, it, I just I just find it funny when someone like Johnny Rotten criticizes, um, no, not criticizes, supports any political party ever. Anyone, because yeah, because, you know, because yeah, because he hated everyone and that's that's my stance as well i've i've i vote green okay because i do want to vote but i understand okay like the main the top parties okay it's it's they're 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 the same that's why i use the you know thank you jello biafra but that's why i use the expression republicrats yeah you know, yes, no, you really don't like the GOP. Yeah, well, I'm not a big Biden supporter either. You know, the Democrats can just fuck off and die as well, yes. which is exactly yes, what can. Johnny Rotten was like back then. Yeah. And 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 good on him. Good on him. Yeah, yeah. What I really dig about this series, and we never actually properly said it, but what we're discussing is... The new miniseries called Pistol, and it's based on Steve Jones's book, autobiography or whatever, called Lonely Boy Tales from a Sex Pistol. Now, this is one of the things that caught my attention, and I said, oh, this is fantastic. Okay, because Rotten was always the focal point. Okay, oh, yeah. the band because he's the frontman. Okay, and then when they brought Sid Vicious in and all of his shenanigans and the whole Nancy Spungen thing and the, you know the murder and the OD and all that, it just I didn't want this to become the Johnny Rotten Sid Vicious show 
this was basically focusing on Steve Jones. Yeah. Who, you know, was arguably probably the most important member of the Sex Pistols because he was the founder and the guitarist and like there would have been no Sex Pistols without him. It's just those other two gonads end up getting all of the all the attention and all that. So I'm glad the focus was on the life and times of Steve Jones. For sure. For sure, for sure. And I'm sure like because we've seen the movie Sid and Nancy yes. before. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that back then. Oh, yeah. So it's just it it's it's time for a different slant. I think. And I'm just I'm I'm really glad the way they went about this. The cast. <laughs> okay. I I I don't want to say it's a cast of nobodies because I don't know all of the any of these actors. So I'm sure they did other things and gained some sort of attention or some sort of notoriety from So I'm not going to say this is a cast of nobodies. I'm going to say this is a cast of I don't knows. Okay, because I don't know any of these people. And honestly, I like that. Yeah. I like that when when there's a focus. Like if you're doing some big fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger action film, okay? Yeah, you know, you can see that it's Arnie. And you're good with that because you want to see an Arnie shoot him up. I don't want to see, you know, some cast of friends or whatever you know, playing Johnny Rotten. <laughs> you know, you, you know what I mean. I want something. An unknown face gives it that realism. Well, and I think that's what what they pulled off. And it's not even that it has to be an unknown face. It just has to be somebody that can get into a character, right? And pull it off. Yeah, because because uh, you know, you and I were talking off air that the actress playing Chrissy Hind, Hind, however you pronounce her last name, from The Pretenders. Yeah. Like is a spitting image. It's like holy crap. Like I can't unsee her as whatever. But like to your point, um, if Brad Pitt is in a movie, you know it's Brad Pitt, right? right? But mm. to your Sid and Nancy point, that was Gary Oldman, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen Gary Oldman in a movie and didn't know it was Gary Oldman until I looked it up later. Or saw right. the, the credits, you're like, mm-hmm. and then once you know, you're like, oh, okay, I can see it now. But What's I mean, yeah, he's okay. he's such a fantastic actor, and when he gets into a character, he is that character, right? And Johnny Depp's mm-hmm. another one, you know, like Johnny Depp was in um, the first two Grindelwald movies, a real fantastic beast playing Grindelwald. You forget about them, yeah, yeah. and and you forget about like I have seen Johnny Depp in so many movies, and. I didn't even realize that was Depp. Like, I had to look it up. I'm like, why is that guy seem familiar? Because he just, like, when he gets into a character, he nails the character, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that that's what, I, I've got to hand it to everybody that, that played in this because I believed all of it. Like, they sold it. They really sold it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because it, it, just it just got to a point where I, I, I just I felt like I wasn't watching a biography. I was watching a um, uh, a documentary of nothing but actual footage, 
Yeah. Which is which kind of brings me to the next point. There were those major points throughout the Sex Pistols careers and Danny Boyle, the director and all that. Like the he the way he reproduced these these moments was unreal. Yeah. Absolutely un, un, unreal. When they okay, Go back when okay, and we're gonna we should have probably done this at the beginning. Okay, it's been a couple weeks since this has been out. Hopefully, you did the right thing like you and I did, and you burned through all six episodes in in a couple of days for us to to, to sit down and well, discuss this. So I think it just came out alerts. Monday. Okay, well, my, Monday yeah, is we're yeah, recording this. Tuesday. I mean, by the time people hear this, it's been a couple of weeks, but it's right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it has been a couple of weeks, but spoiler alert right now, we are going to kind of do a kind of a deep dive into this. Stuff like um, the Sex Pistols appearance on the Bill Grundy show. Yeah. Okay. What Boyle did with that sequence is, I swear, the guy went back and looked at, memorized the footage from that show recreated it with his cast of nasties today they had to just be pouring over archive footage dude oh so so much of it was so accurate it was like like you know the hairs on your arm stand up it's like holy shit and that was that was the big moment in sex pistols here history after because i guess bill grundy was a big mm-hmm. thing in British TV back in 76, I yeah. guess it, I, so it was. Obviously, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't even known who Grundy was. Okay, but I know, like, this this was a huge thing in rock and roll because EMI ended up dumping them because of that. Just because yes. of a couple curse words. <laughs> yeah, you know, on TV, which well, I kind of... You know, what I found interesting is like with the EMI dumping them, I wasn't even shocked at that point in, in when that happens in the series because of how well they framed up what the state of the British population was like at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, um, yeah. Like like when Jordan uh, takes the train to work in her outfit, mm-hmm. you know, the, the see through top. And she's like, what? You know, pe- people are just like, you know, everybody's stopping to stare. She's riding a bicycle, you know, in this see-through top and no bra and anything. And she's sitting across from a mother and child. And I can't believe you're wearing this. She's like, what? You know, and, and just mm. like totally playing it straight. It's like, oh, like you really understand just how uptight, like, like what the division was. And I forgot what that was like. Um, and and mostly because I never experienced it at home, right? Like, like I, I just, because, I, because I mean, that was still going on like in the, in the, you know, mid to late 80s where you had these people that were just so uptight and that sort of stuff. And just, you know, I, I've said several times, my parents were cool. My grandparents were cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never, you know, I, I never had to hide anything you know, it's just like, here, here's what it is. And, um, you know, even if they didn't approve, you know, they, they knew about it and we, you know, we had yeah, discussions about just, stuff. It wasn't 
the get this stuff out of here kind of thing, you know. Right. Um, but I, I really found that interesting. And so well, let's rewind to the first episode because I did not know about the um, abuse that Steve Jones suffered as a child. Right, right. And, because unless yeah, you read the biography, you wouldn't have known this stuff. Yeah, I had, I had no idea. Like, I, I never even heard, like, a whisper of that. And I'm watching that going, oh, like, I was sick to my stomach, dude. Mm-hmm. Sick to my Because, and, and it's, it was shot in such a way that you knew exactly what was going on without being too graphic, but in such a way to let your imagination run wild, you know, kind of like when they didn't show the shark in jaws and you could let your own imagination get the best of you. That's kind of what mm-hmm. happened here. I'm like, Oh God. Oh, it was awful. You know, it was. Yeah. 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 It's what it's what you don't see. Yeah. Yeah, and when he goes on TV and he's just blurting out, you know, everything. Yeah. He's looking into the camera and he's looking. He's he's not saying his name. Yeah, but he's but looking he's, right at him. Yeah. He's look he's looking right at him yeah. and you can tell like that he's framed up so well. Yeah, there's like wow, this is this is filmmaking. Yeah. Well, and and if you think about it like so Steve Jones and them, they were born in, what, 55, right? Because they're in their 60s now. Yeah. Right? Because so, my, my well, parents are okay. in their 70s. They're born in 46. So. Okay. Well, in 77, they would have been pushing 20. Barely so, yeah, 50, pushing yeah, 20. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, 55. Yeah. All right. So. Pardon me. I've been drinking. Sorry, guys. Anyway. I, I wanted to bring that up because it's only hit me recently, you know, like within the last decade, that World War II was fought on British soil. Like, I never really understood that. And I mean, you know, it, as an American growing up with World War II, you know, our our first uh, entrance into it is the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And that's what we Once think can, about. Yeah. But Pearl mm-hmm. Harbor is nowhere near anybody in the continental United States. Like you're only ever going to see that if you go on vacation to Hawaii. Right. So, right. So it's not like, you know, some, something you can see very easily. Uh, Unlike what happened in, um, in the UK, you know, where you read like Bruce Dickinson's biography and things. And he talks about, you know, like finding these, old World War II stuff and playing in it and that sort of stuff. So if you think about when Steve Jones and these other guys would have been born, right? This is about 10 years after the war. Keep calm Mm -hmm. and carry on was the slogan, right? That you had all the propaganda that the British government was pushing. And and it's always been very conservative, pushing things down. And, um, you know, the crown was always a very big part of, you know, like, oh, let's keep our composure. You know, like like you always, even though everything was falling apart, they were always holding this composure. And I, I think that, like, the in that first episode, when you see what Steve's going through as a young child, because like, he couldn't have been more than nine or ten there, right? Mm-hmm. It. Like, so, so by that point, it's the 60s, and I think we are... We are seeing the results of 
people that either, you know, survived the war and came back or people that had parents that survived the war. And it's, you know, almost like it was kind of handed down like that pent up aggression kind of thing. Because, um, who's, um, I think Pete Townsend suffered something similarly from like an uncle or something like that. Like there's, there's a lot of weird stuff like that. And, and just uh, nobody talked about it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I, and I think the thing is like when, when the sex pistols came out, they started talking about the things that nobody would talk about. And, and I think that's, that's part of why they had the impact that they had, because you know, when you said, hey, you know, what do you know about your Sex Pistols? Look up this show. Well, the first thing I did was go and check, like, well, other than Never, never Mind the Bullocks, what albums do they have? And they, they really just that well, they and don't. the, it's the Rock never and mind the Bullocks sort yeah. of soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, the only official album is, never, is, mind the is never Mind the Bullocks because they just, they had that one record, it, you know, God save the Queen did not then did they not say that went to number one? Yeah, I think never mind the Bullocks did crack the top ten. Um, but yeah, the 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 star just burned brightly for a very short amount of time. Well, I mean, we could say a short amount of time, or we could say an infinite amount of time, because how well, many okay, other yeah. bands <laughs> can you think of? With a single album that we're still talking about today. Yeah, like more than, well, how many years is it? Yeah, almost 50 years later, like when the when the, when that first record hit on the yeah. other side of 40 at least. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. That's, to sh- that's just going to show like the kind of influence and uh, just the inspiration and all that, that not only the Sex Pistols had, but just that album Okay, like they have, I'm sure VH1, their their classic album series, did they not do Nevermind the Bullocks? I'm pretty sure that they did. You they know, probably and did, whenever- and I probably didn't watch it because I always think it's so cliche. Uh, oh, because okay. well, no, everybody good. talks about Nevermind the Bullocks. And, you know, now well, looking, being like, yeah. oh, that's the only one they have. But then I listened to it this week. I'm like, oh, shit, these are really great songs. <laughs> Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, because at first I'm like, well, okay, other than um, God Save the Queen and Anarchy in the UK, do I know anything on here? Uh, Yes, I knew almost all of them. You know, I think like Bodies was like the one song I'm like, what's this one? I wasn't familiar with that one. And then that episode, I'm like, holy fuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Jeez. In some way, shape, or form, either playing live or in the studio or jamming or whatever, they got to every song on that album. Yeah. And, you know, and the, okay. What was it? Episode four, when they got into the recording of nevermind the Bullocks and they called it uh, pretty vague cunts. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. You actually called it that and you typed it out and that's, they cunt is appearing well, on my screen. This is so fantastic. The C word does not mean in England or Australia what it means over here. Oh, no, I definitely get it. It's, yeah, you know, in England, it's it just it's just a word that's used in casual conversation. 
yeah say it in north america it's like oh my god oh i know people people have a meltdown here but it's also like fag right because when they talk about fags over there they're talking about cigarettes they're they're cigarettes but the connotation over here oh totally i i i I haven't used that word outside of ironically yeah ever since i was a teenager because that that i can't remember as as a kid and i hate to say it in the metal world they used that word was around so much in the under in the underground because you you know you had the thrashers on this side and then you had the hair meddlers on this side and then there was guys like me that were sort of kind of in the middle you know you know and i also enjoyed my punk and all that but it 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 got to a point where even in my late teens i'm hearing these underground thrashers you know those glam fags oh yeah it's like really are you do you have to use that word do you not know what that means and all that and they weren't it was just and i still kind of see that today okay when someone says when something oh that that's gay what they mean is that's dumb that's right. you know but i'm sorry you're making a that's a homophobic slur yeah by now yeah, and there's I definitely really progress we need to make there, but yeah, but for, for but no, yeah. I, yeah, but it's for the most part when I see things like the Pride Month and the the Pride conventions and all that, I I can definitely see the progress, but yeah, oh, there there was none back then with cunt and fag and 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 all that, and there's just sometimes the C word should be used. I, I don't think it should be used in a derogatory. You shouldn't call someone that. Okay, but there's just uh, yeah, there's times. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say <laughs> on that. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I sidetracked so a little bit. You ever feel like you've been cheated? Oh my god. They nailed that part perfect. That is now like that famous quote, okay, where John, where Johnny Rotten kind of spilled that out. And it was basically, he was pulling the curtain over about the Sex Pistols. He was, he was exposing what they were all about because everyone over the years... Okay, people have made the argument that they weren't even a real band. Right. They were Malcolm McLaren, Malcolm McLaren, the Malcolm McLaren. Yeah, he put them together to help sell the revolution, which in turn helped sell his clothing line and his store, which which they just his store was just called Sex. Yeah. <laughs> I got to admit I laughed out loud with that. Well, it's dude, like that's perfect. The t-shirts in the very first episode that he was wearing with the two dudes that were like bottomless. I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was also intense since you're talking about t-shirts and all that, the use of the swastikas. Yeah. And when when you talk about stuff that's that's outdated and and I I get it. These weren't Nazi punks and they no. were using they were using the swastikas ironically and all that. I'm sorry, but 
I still I found that pretty cringy when I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, I get it. I just don't like seeing that fucking symbol. Well, you know, I, you know it, man, and and again, it 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 seems to mean different things in the different countries, you know. And for for some of the Brits, at least at that time, I think um, when they when they would wear it as almost defiantly, you know, and I, and Lemmy's been on record. He's saying, he's like, listen, he's like, I can't help it. If the bad guys had some of the coolest looking stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, but and, with, and, and like, Lemmy, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Let me can get away with anything, but it, it's yeah, just but he, like, you no, know, he was, he, he was also world war two yeah. connoisseur and he had a strong interest in yeah. it. And unfortunately, like if you love Star Wars, yeah, you cheer for the Rebel Alliance. But unfortunately, the Empire is a big part of it as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you know, so so uh, that that I understand with Lemmy. I think a lot of people were just looking for something to jump on. Well, and yeah. also, if you think about what they're trying to do, it was shocking because, you know, a lot of people were still shell-shocked by that and then at that same time because it would have been i think it would have been the late 60s so in in like so so like musically right Mm -hmm. at that point let's let's just look at the landscape right so last week we talked about like our great guitar players and i talked about chuck berry right so you know, Chuck Berry rock and roll starts in the 50s. Well, that drifts across the pond to England and we get the Rolling Stones, you know, and among others, you know, but but like, so like the Rolling Stones. So then that kind of drifts back across and we get stuff here because of them. And then this disco thing starts happening, right? <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. you start getting these, you know, start going from these small acts to these massive stadium bands um to these this disco and radio just starts changing right and so you know punk rock here it, it, at least was the direct rejection of all this huge like stadium rock like like this the prog rock the 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 over I, I'm not gonna say overproduced because I like it but but the very intricate productions where you have all these layers, mm-hmm. all these parts, all these arrangements, that sort of stuff. And punk rock's like, nope, we're stripping it down. We're going back to our Chuck Berry roots, but we're going to play it faster, you know? And that's mm-hmm. that's when we get the Ramones, right? But then in England, you had uh, reggae was a big thing, right? And so oh, you, for sure. you have like the reggae influence and then like the skinheads over there at the time were not necessarily racist, Right, like, like is is like we think of skinheads here over in the states. Um, like you hear the term skinhead, you think, oh, this is some racist son of a bitch. Yeah, over there, the, it was the you Nazi know skinheads, the yeah. hammer skins. Yeah, yeah, and there in like over over in the UK, like the skinheads were not always racist sometimes, um, but you know they're also sometimes referred to suede heads because they didn't like razor shave their heads all the time. It was just more like you know the first level, so. Their head was kind of like suede. It was was the whole thing, but um, they were football hooligans, you know, soccer hooligans, you right. know, and and that that's where you know, and and I mean they're ruffians. They're going around causing trouble, 
But so mm-hmm. you've got that movement going on, the reggae thing, and then I love that they touched on the Bowie influence. I I oh, loved yes. in the first episode where <laughs> he's stealing all Bowie's stuff, which is amazing. But um <laughs> he, you know, he's he's on stage and he's dancing to to the Bowie's moves. You know, and mm-hmm. and Bowie's one of those guys that even though He's touched on very non-punk rock things. The punk rockers still love him. Still, oh yeah, yeah. It's like he was a huge influence on punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Say, Bull Ziggy. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I got a real kick out of that too. My heart went out for the security guard. Like you <laughs> know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right under his nose. Jones is stealing all this equipment. Yeah, and all that. It's like, ah, ah. How do I explain this? Well, yeah. I loved the artful Dodger references, right? To um, because it was Oliver Twist. Are you familiar with Oliver Twist? Yes, sir. May I have some more? Was that Oliver Twist? No, no, that's Oliver. That's just Oliver. Well, but I guess that is Oliver Twist. What now is, that you're saying what that. Is, okay. Because he grows up in Oliver the or- orphanage, and I, th- I think I've got this right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but like, because you know, Fagin is the guy running the street hustles, and then the artful Dodger is Fagin's right hand man. Um, oh, okay. And they they recruit uh, Oliver, you know. So, and, and I just and the artful Dodger, like he he was essentially like a master thief you know and that's i love that that comparison to um to steve jones oh definitely it works no no definitely that that definitely one of the things that i really dug about this though is just the fact that okay and i think i said this at the top of the hop it wasn't all about the sid and nancy story because that alone could, yeah, you had the Sid and Nancy movie and all that. That alone could make a six-episode episode, you know, series. Just, 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 just that. I am so glad that they worked in Sid's My Way. Oh, yeah. Though, with it. And when I talked about just how well Boyle reproduced these moments, the Bill Grundy, you know, the feeling you've been cheated moment, and now... Sid's My Way video and and all that. It's like, wow, this is bang on. And then the way they incorporated Steve's um, dream into it is as well. It's like, holy fuck, yeah. Like, this is this this is some amazing stuff. Well, you wow. know what I I dug about the Sid and Nancy thing is in the Sid and Nancy movie, um, you know, Nancy. Nancy just seems like an innocent girl in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh-huh. But and and mind you, I haven't seen it since the nineties, so forgive me anybody, you know, if I'm misremembering. Um, but Nancy was a calculating bitch in this series. Uh, you know, like um, yeah, she she was uh, like, Ugh, you're kind of a scumbag. Okay. You know. <laughs> Right, right. Then there was a lot of stuff in there that I didn't, I didn't know um, because I read the and I don't want to live this life 
biography on on Nat, on Nancy Spungen that her mother wrote. Like I I read I read that, so obviously there wasn't going to be some stuff in that that um we saw here, like the band and Hind trying to trick her into getting the fuck out of Dodge, going right. back to back to New York and all that. So you you know like. So you don't pull a Yoko and break up the Beatles here. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't know about stuff like that. And so that stuff I appreciated. Actually, the whole arc, like horns up to Sydney Chandler. Okay. Her portrayal of Chrissy Hind. Oh my goodness. Like absolutely amazing. I am going to, I'm going to embarrass myself here and actually admit I didn't even know there was the Hind Jones connection. I didn't know they were a thing. Oh, me neither. I didn't know that she had anything to do with the Sex Pistols. I didn't know she was friends with Sid. That the way she heard about his death and all that, I don't know if that was 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 a was a true re- reenactment or just something made up for dramatic effect for the TV show. I don't I don't know. But it it hit hard, and Chandler was like in a series with so many wicked highlights. She was first and foremost. Yeah. Like wow, wow! I was I was absolutely <clears throat> so impressed well, with and, with that and her tie in to Mick Jones of the Clash. Like, because I, I didn't realize that she would have dated Mick Jones. Like, I, 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 I like that The Clash was touched upon very much in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, because they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, I, I know The Clash were outrageous, quote unquote, but I, I still can't call them punk. I really struggle with this. I really struggle uh, with this. Philosophically, The Clash were very punk philosophically but they a lot of a lot of their music though was very mainstream and very mainstream and and they were also um a bunch of rich kids yeah yeah i kind of equate clash as punk the same way that maybe rage against the machine were punk which machine's not punk i i i know but they definitely had the ideology of punk rockers. Uh, I, I can see that, but um, yeah, you know, I, I so feel like we're gonna I, get back into the they're not new metal either discussion here. Oh, so, okay, no, so I'm let's not quickly going, steer I'm not away. Going, so, <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying, Clash is punk the same way that I see Rage Against the Machine as punk philosophically, while not necessarily music musically. And all that, but yeah, the Sex Pistols—they go hand in hand with with the Clash because they were, you know, if if we were ever to have like a big four of punk, okay, I'm pretty sure the Sex Pistols would would be on like our list. What what? Okay, if if if, if we were to come up with our own big big four of punk what, what what would you have just off the top of your head well so number one the, the metallica of of the big four of punk for me is the ramones 
Okay. Yeah. And it's the Ramones because of the influence and the impact because, you know, not only did the Ramones keep going and, you know, not retire until the nineties, but, you know, the Ramones influenced so many bands and not just Metallica, not just Anthrax, not just Henry Rollins to go join Black Flag, but the guys in U2 were big Ramones fans. Um, was it the De- was it Def Leppard? I think it was just singing about the Ramones as well. Um, you, you know, well, like yeah, yeah, the, like the Ramones had such an impact on so many people, and I think it's because. <sighs> Like as cliche as this sounds, like they did what Chuck Berry did for people, right? And and when you know when Chuck Berry Records made it across the pond, you gave this very bleak gray country like, whoa, this is fun, this is happy, this is different, and it was accessible. And they sat down, they learned to play it, and then the Ramones come along, and well, that gives the kid who's like. Oh, God, I'm never going to play guitar. Uh, you know, the ability to play guitar, because let's face it, the Ramones songs are not difficult. Um, no. But, you know, that doesn't change the impact they had. And so, he, and, and the funny part is, you know, when we, we when we look at Johnny Ramone being an influence on Metallica and uh, Anthrax, um, arguably, if we were going to say, like, who are the more skilled guitar players? It's all the, the latter there, right? Like, you know, Anthrax and Metallica. But Johnny Ramones, the ones that taught him how to play fast, you know? They're like, holy crap, you can play this fast? Like, okay. You know, so, <laughs> Let's do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's why the Ramones is my, uh, my Metallica. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I've actually said this um, at the last punk show that I came on. Yeah. And Anarchy in the UK came over the PA and I was just having a conversation with those at that at my table saying, yeah, okay, the Pistols over the years have gotten a lot of abuse, but the Sex Pistols for punk, that's my Beatles. You know, like there was four of them and I, there are, and okay, it's, it's not just those you know those things that 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 they have have in common it's just like that's when i think of okay i'm a huge punk fan now who was the one of the first bands that you got into of 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 that style and a lot of people our age would say it was the sex pistols much in the way okay what was the first rock band that you really dug well, my parents had some Beatles albums, and so, yeah, I was a big Beatles fan when I was a kid. I may have gone on to other things, but, you know, it, it, what, it, was, it, it was the Beatles for me. So I've always said, like, yeah, like the Sex Pistols are definitely my Beatles. The same can be said for the Ramones as well. It's a four-piece. I've actually, I remember when I brought... Um, my Joy Ramone um, Funko Pop. Yeah. Home. My mother-in-law thought that was John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah. that. And and I looked at it. It's like, 
Yeah, okay. I could definitely see the, you know, I, I, I can definitely see it. And the Ramones had such a strong influence on the punk scene, just like the way the Beatles did, you know, with the, with the rock scene. So, yeah, my big four definitely includes the Sex Pistols and the Ramones. What else you got? Um. Well, so, like, the Ramones... The, the Ramones really changed everything for me because because when you say that like the Sex Pistols were probably your first introduction to punk, I'm like, well, you're right because I would have been listening to the Sex Pistols because of Megadeth covering Anarch in UK on uh, So Far So Good So What, okay. and I remember before I 99% sure before I got Ramones Mania. Um, I was aware of the great rock and roll swindle album and friggin' and the Riggin and just ah, got okay. such a huge kick out of that. So like, I'm like, Oh yeah, you kind of have a point there that, that they were definitely the introduction. But, um, before, um, honestly, before hearing Anarchy in the UK by Megadeth, I would have heard, uh, last caress by Metallica. And that's my introduction to the Misfits. Ah, okay. And that's why Misfits would be like my anthrax of this. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now, see that there. I like I when I when when I was like if I if if I was to have made this list, what I ended up with, it's just like you kind of. Okay, there's this band. Okay, yeah, but what about this one? So you scratch that off. Okay, we, what about this one? No, no, you got to scratch it. And then finally, you end up with that. So I, I can totally get that. I, I can totally get that. The Misfits definitely would have been right up there. Um, but for me, okay, because I kind of discovered Sex, Sex Pistols was that was the first punk band that I discovered, okay, and got into, but they they were the only bands that the, the, like the, that was the only punk album that I really had for a couple years until I discovered the Dead Kennedys, as we got over into like about nineteen eighty seven, I want to say, and then of course as an extension of the Dead Kennedys was the Jello Biafra spoken word and everything that Jello is. So definitely part of my punk big four is DK's slash Jello Biafra. And because of just all that. They were almost on my list. It, it, this was not easy. Like no, this was this no. was harder than the guitarist last week. Um <laughs> because I'm because you know, like I told you off air, like I was first I'm like, well, other than the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, who were punks in the seventies? Because, I mean, you know, I, I can't put on, like, the Dropkick Murphys. Uh, even though they're no, phenomenal, no. they're they're not that level. Like, because they wouldn't be who they are without these bands, you know. So, mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of go back to it. And that's when I'm like, oh, right, yeah. Like, you know, the Misfits. I'm like, okay, big. And then, obviously, like, the Sex Pistols are on my list, right? They, they're, they're my number three. But then my number four choice um, was the New York Dolls. Oh, okay, that's fair. Fair ball. Fair ball. Some people might go. Well, that's not punk. Well, 
I know it's fun. it's walking a line. It's it's walking a line. If if you if you go back and listen to those early records, because the dolls are almost like the Sex Pistols in that they don't have a ton of records, uh, especially right. not with David Johansson. And um, you know, David Johansson. Honestly, if you look at the dolls and the Pistols, you know, there's a lot of parallels there because a lot of the guys in both those bands had a longer, more successful career outside of those bands. You know, like think about Public Image Limited for uh, Johnny Rotten. You know, he was able to keep that going way longer than the Pistols, you know, w- without anywhere near the controversy or that sort of stuff. It was a totally different thing. And, you know, David Johansson became Buster Poindexter. Hot, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And killer dude, great singer, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, but both the pistols and the dolls were both based on outrageous how do we shock what's going on and again like when you look at what the sex pistols did for rock and roll especially over in the uk right like like they just had a massive impact on on the youth like the sex pistols are still to this day the look of punk rock like if somebody oh, wants yeah. to look punk rock, you're going to do something that's going to be some derivative of the Sex Pistols or you're going to put on the Ramones leather jacket, right? Which also as displayed in the uh, Pistol series was worn by Sid Vicious, right? So mm-hmm. so so that that that's you know your uniform that's the look. That was established by by the Pistols. But then the New York Dolls, you know, the New York Dolls were man, I to me, they're more punk than the Clash, right? Um, they were outrageous. They were they had that kind of craziness to them. Um, but then, you know, the dolls are why we have Kiss. You know, no, yeah. like they they really influenced Kiss, and Kiss is like okay, like you know, how do we t- how do we take like that that outrageousness like like you know the glam cross-dressing kind of thing honestly the dolls are part of the reason we have twisted sister we have aerosmith yeah we have guns we have guns and roses and yeah. all all of snyder axel rose they'll they'll all say it all goes back to the new york dolls yeah yeah so so that that's that's why that was my big four and then i have an honorary Fifth mention. Um, okay, you know, kind of, this this is my exodus, you know. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, who's your honorary? Generation X. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, where was Billy Idol in the series? I because uh, I didn't do recognize it, him anywhere. Neither did I. And when I was doing my own research from the show, because, yeah, we actually do research once in a while every on now the and show. Then. Most of the time we like to talk out of uh, our butts, you, but every now and then. <laughs> you look up the IMD, IMDB page for Pistol, and they had an actor playing Billy Idol. Yeah. Where? Well, that's why I was trying to figure out who was Susie Sue, too. <laughs> Because, like, I know oh, where yeah. she's supposed to be, but then I'm like, well, wait a second, isn't that just Jordan earlier? Like, or did her and Jordan have the same look? You know, like, because cause yeah, arguably I'm I, I'm aware of Susie and the Banshees' music, but I could not mm-hmm. p- pick out Susie from a lineup, you know? 
Right. Well, the Susie in this show was very different from the Susie and the Banshees that eventually took off. Okay. You know, so, yeah, I can understand that. But I didn't see Billy Idol anywhere. Yeah, I didn't see And anywhere. when you said Generation X, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, now, and, now that you mentioned it. it. It's so funny because um, I remember... Talking to somebody about Billy Idol and saying that he was pretty, you know, instrumental to punk. And again, Billy Idol's look is the definitive punk look. He's another one yeah. that, that you know. Yeah. If you if you want to paint a picture of what is punk visually, you're you're gonna have either Billy Idol, the Sex Pistols, or the Ramones. Right. That's it. Right. You know, or some, or, some um, derivative thereof. You know. Or the Exploited. Yeah. 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 Another code, right? But um, yeah, like, I, I, I didn't want to go this whole episode without saying the exploited. Yeah, no, right. no, yeah, no, we need to, right? But like, you know, Generation X, um, Dancing with Myself was a Generation X song before it was a pop hit of the 80s. Oh, okay. You know, and that's the brilliance of it because they wrote a great poppy song. And if you listen to those lyrics and understand what it's about, um, that he could have a pop radio hit with a song about masturbation. Like that <laughs> is as punk rock as it gets. Cause like you have totally screwed the man. You, you have convinced the most conservative people in the world to sing along with that song. Cause they have no idea. <laughs> they didn't really get it. Yeah. Yeah. Another crowded lonely yeah. night, you know, uh-huh. and uh, with yeah. the mirror's reflection, <laughs> you know, Oh, I said, I have, I have to admit, even as a 12, 13 year old, when I first heard that, I was kind of like, hmm. Okay, maybe I was a little bit before my time back yeah. then. But yeah, I kind of saw it. I kind of saw it in the lyrics. And while it just went right over the heads of people a, a lot older than me. Uh, it's so yeah. good, though, dude. So good. Yeah. A little bit of homework. You know, I'm a big fan of the Donnas. Oh, yeah. Go find go find their version of Dancing With Myself. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My last of the big four, if I actually had to make one of these lists, because I'm a big hardcore, hardcore guy as well, Minor Threat. All right, like this is the band that started the straight edge movement. That's a tough yeah. one because... There are they. Do they start in the seventies? I always thought of them as more of an eighties band. Oh yeah, they started in the the early eighties, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no denying, you know, the the influence over the maybe two generations now, because like to see a young kid in his twenties at a hardcore show in a Minor Threat shirt, dude, that's a good point. Yeah, like that's that that really warms the heart. And then I see an older guy, you know, half out of his bag in a minor threat t shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, uh yeah, I've had a lot of Jack Daniels listening to minor threat, but I don't know if I'd be wearing a, a minor threat out shirt out and I mean, pissing it out. Honestly, I'm sure I've done. when you think about rebellion and especially after watching um the Sex Pistols and how you know, Johnny Rotten literally hated everything. He's the original Mikey. Um, you know, is there anything more punk rock 
than getting drunk and wearing a minor threat shirt. Well, I don't know. I'm just rebelling against the minority. It just doesn't really, uh, you know, if, if fuck you, go fuck shit up, go rebel against the bank. Don't, don't kick in the, the, the door, you know, at the bathrooms at a punk rock club, go through, go through a brick through the window at a bank. But literally that's what the sex pistols was doing. Like, like, Remember, they had 18-year-olds telling 20-year-olds that they were too old, right? Like, I love that. Fair enough, fair enough, and yeah. I'm like, I, like they really, they, cre- they, they created that anarchy, that division, you know? And I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh, this is, this is why we were so divided on music, because that carried over into the 80s. And it's like, I can't listen to this. I'm a, I'm a metalhead. I don't listen to this. Yeah, I can't listen to punk. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so many times I've gone to punk shows as a teenager with my creator and Megadeth shirts thinking, okay, am I getting my ass kicked? Dude, I'm here supporting punk, man. Yeah. I'm buying the records. and like, But yeah, that was just, I'm so glad so much has changed. Oh, yeah. Well, where. Yeah. And Scott Ian talked about that. Like he used to go to hardcore shows and then like he, he realized at one show when he was starting to be recognized as being the metal guy, um, that they were starting to like single him out and come after him. It's like, okay, that was my last show. You know, yeah. he, he couldn't, yeah. he couldn't go see hardcore shows anymore, even though he loved it, you know? So he had to get, yeah, I believe Billy Milano actually had to say, Hey, back off. Yeah. Scott's cool. You know, well, I never had that, that hardcore punk kid to say, Hey, back off. So he's cool, you know? So yeah, there was, there was more than one, <laughs> one punk show where we were the first ones out of there. As soon as it was done. Uh, I'm so glad so much has changed yeah. now and hardcore punk metal. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. When, how, how, when, how old were you? Whichever, did you discover the Sex Pistols? <sighs> so it would have been high school still, right? And before the Ramones. And so when I discovered the Ramones, I was between 17 and 18, right? Like I, I was late okay. to the Ramones party. But then like when, like I said, when, when I got the Ramones, like that just opened up everything. Um, but the Sex Pistols probably, well... What year was so far so good? So what? Eighty-seven. All right, so somewhere between sixteen, seventeen, I guess, fifteen, sixteen, oh, somewhere I... there. You know, whatever, whatever year that was, that would have been. And I think I was no, no. I take it back. I I had not heard the Sex Pistols version of that before. I heard. Um, Oh, help me. The the Megadeth version. So Oh, okay. Yeah. And so yeah, so it, right. it would have been it would have been after that. So yeah, I was I was definitely later in my teens. You know. That's fair. That's fair. For myself, okay. I didn't real uh, my first record my first and only Sex Pistols record, although I did find Great Rock and Roll Swindle on cassette years later. Okay, excuse me. But um when I went metal full time, eighty four, okay, that was along with you know 
Metallica, Megadeth, Exciter, Anthrax, all of those bands at that time period, I discovered the Sex Pistols then, and I had Nevermind the Bullocks then. But the reason I took that plunge with the Pistols is because I was a reader of Cream magazine. Okay, before I went metal and hardcore full time, I listened to a variety of pop, even some country, yeah, any any sort of metal or any, any sort of music, I should say, from British pop to America, some cool, like my I, my dad enjoyed um, Waylon Jennings when I was a kid. You know, I I would slap in his Waylon Jennings eight track myself. Okay, which that's little confession time, you know, but that's when you're a kid, you know, you don't really think about these things. You just kind of go with everything. So I, my, as much as I have a wide variety of music now, it was even greater back then because I hadn't gone, I hadn't been blown away by metal and aggressive music full time until 84. So leading up to that, I read magazines like Cream. Yeah. Okay. And Hit Express magazine, Music Express magazine, sorry. And the Sex Pistols were no stranger to Cream magazine. You know, and it's just like I saw, I saw pictures and whenever they would talk about them, someone would talk about them or write an article. It was it was kind of for nostalgia because by then the pistols were pretty much done. Yeah. Okay, but that was kind of the introduction, was just those those magazines and 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 talking about the pistols. But yeah, it was basically when I went metal full time. I grabbed that record. I grabbed the Nevermind the Bullocks as I was running, as I hit the ground running with it. I reached over and I grabbed that record as well. So that was kind of my my introduction. I never owned that pistols. record. I've never owned that no? record. I owned the Great Rock and Roll Swindle. I still have okay. that on CD somewhere. I have never owned Nevermind the Bullocks. And oh, okay. I it, it's so you know how we talked about the fact that I've never seen um I've never seen Spinal Tap. Right. Uh, it's kind of the same thing where everybody talked about like everybody had a copy of it there was no way i could avoid it at a certain point and i didn't need a copy of it somebody always had a copy of it on them somebody always had <laughs> yes it. yes yes there's so many times i okay i remember as when i discovered metal 84 Okay, and I had some friends, you know, that I met right after that because they're in the metal and all that. And then all we would do, okay, is after school, head to his place, they'd come to my place. And all we'd do is sit back and listen to records. Okay. Yeah. No, we weren't getting drunk or getting baked or anything like that. We were just hanging out, listening to music. Your buddy's record collection kind of became yours. Because you would listen to them together all the time. Oh, did I lose you? No, no, I'm still here. Yeah. I'm sorry, I heard something in, in, in the background. So your friend's records became yours. Your collection became theirs. Because like, I could call up my friend at any time. You know what? Hey, you have this album. I would like it for tonight. I'm going to come and grab it and all that. 
our record collections were interchangeable. So yeah, <laughs> when you said it was always around, okay, it was the same thing. Um, Ghetto Blasters. Yeah. Uh, okay, like I had it on cassette, and we would all kind of hang out together. You know, in in our in our neighborhood and all that, but we would kind of move away, find some cool place to hang out and with a ghetto blaster and yeah, we had we and we would imbibe, you know, beer and pot and all that. But it was a lot of metal and never mind the bulla. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was you know. another punk record um I never ever needed to own. Um, even though this one I may have finally purchased, but, um, big lizard in my backyard, dead milkman. Oh, okay. Somebody always had a copy of that. Had, had that, that yeah. yeah. That and never mind the bullocks there. There was, there was no way you could go somewhere and not have one of those two, um, around. Man, you can't, I'm beaming right now. I got a big ass smile on my face. Just just thinking about that. Because now everyone's got everything on their fucking phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just not the same. Well, no, because you really you had know? to care. Like, if you're going to carry yeah. the Sex Pistols with you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. Like, for me, there's always that. a kiss tape on me. You know? Uh-huh. It, I rotated yeah. them out, but there was always a kiss tape in my jacket. Always. I, I I get that too. Yeah, when we went, when I went metal f- full time, Animalize was a thing, as as well. And of course, I had Kiss albums before, but that that was the album back back then at the time, you know. And Lick It Up as well. Like these were those those were definitely the records <laughs> from back then. For sure, for sure. Do, do you have a do you have a favorite Sex Pistols tune? Like, wow. just, you know what? Just... I, it is possibly "Holidays in the Sun." I mean, for the longest time, it, it really would have been "Anarchy in the UK." Um, mm-hmm. but I I really do like "Holidays in the Sun." Oh, I get that. I get that. It's it it's hard because okay, even though you only had really the one album to choose from like to, to pick a favorite song like you could just any meeny miny that one but I, I i don't know i've always been an anarchy guy and i still kind of am today like well, this is my favorite sex pistols and, and a close a close second for me is also um friggin in the rigging fair enough fair like, enough. i yeah. it's hysterical i love it and i think that Friggin' and the Reagan, especially with their delivery and arrangement of it, just sums up everything you need to know about the Sex Pistols in a single song. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So many bands that that record has been covered by so many artists over and over. Oh, yeah. And I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to be the cool kid and not pick one of the the obvious choices, but. Megadeth's version of Anarchy is just like that was the first song I'd pretty much heard in its entirety from the So Far So Good So What record. As a Sex Pistols fan, I totally marked out for that. 
And like all of my metal fan, all of my metal friends that really hadn't discovered punk at the time, they're like, okay, this is a good song. What what are you so excited about? Because it's the fucking Sex Pistols. It's Megadeth doing the Pistols, man. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, okay. Well, it's a good song. Okay. You and I, we have to sit down and have a talk. <laughs> you know, and it just, the way they they took that idea, they took that song, and they made it their own. You know? Ding. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was um, my wife texted me because I asked her, I'm like, can you ask the kids to settle down a little bit? Oh, okay. Yeah, I could hear the kids in the background, but hey, it's it's podcasting. Yeah, they've all got friends over tonight, so it's, there's more children oh, than normal okay. in the house. Ah. <laughs> okay, I love kids. Okay, I love going to other people's houses and spoiling them, bringing them presents, filling them full of sugar. But then I like to come home to my nice, quiet house afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Uncle Snowy doesn't change diapers. Yeah. Well, here you go. Your kid smells. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you That's go. pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I imagine Anarchy by Megadeth is right up your alley as well. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, but right. you know what? Um, was it was it Skid Row that covered Holidays in the Sun? Holiday in the Sun, yeah, for the um, the Make a Difference Foundation compilation record. Was that it? Yeah, because uh, yeah. I remember just how good that was, especially the "You suck, oh. you suck, you suck." <laughs> it's you know, and 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 especially because. Skid Row at the time was such a hair metal band, uh-huh. you know, because I mean they they had the formula. You know, Sebastian Bach had the look, the hair, the voice, the ballads, you know, and then for them to do that, it's like, oh, all right, you know, there we go. like this is all and right. You, you knew that was Rachel Boland's idea because yeah. if there was any punks in Skid Row, it was Rachel, and he was the driving force. Of of Skid Row. Yeah, I just recently on my Facebook page I found a picture of um, Joey Ramone and Rachel Bolin together on the set of uh, the video for Skid Row's version of Psychotherapy. Rock on. Which which you know, and that's what I call my rock and roll feel good moment. Anyone listening to this, my Facebook page under my slave name Quentin Earhart. Okay. Um, cause apparently Facebook thought it was a threat to national security if I use snowy white and all that. Well, every once in a while, whenever I find like a really cool picture of, uh, people from different bands kind of hanging out together, you know, having a beer, smiling, just and all that, I call it my rock and I call it a rock and roll feel good moment because it really is, you know what I mean? Like it just, it it pulls at the old heartstrings, you know, like when you see these people hanging out together and having a good time and all that. Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah, there there was a picture of Rachel Bolin and Joey Ramone, and it's like, okay, 
Mm. Bowen was definitely the punk of, of 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 Skid Row. That's probably the reason why they did psychotherapy. Oh yeah, as well. Yeah, and there was the same thing. That was side the first track of the Make a Difference compilation was Skid Row's Holiday in the Sun, and it's like yeah, I was blown away the first the the first time I heard that. It's like holy shit because I had already. You know, I'm already a Skid Row fan and obviously been a Sex Pistols fan 10 years before that or whatever it was to hear that that combination. And and the way that it was pulled off was absolutely fantastic. Now, that whole make a difference. Oh, holy geez, that was brutal because, okay, Russia had um, there was a problem with vodka. No, really? Yeah, yeah, there was. I was, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure kids were drinking vodka in school, like on their lunch hours or in class or anything. No, I don't know for sure. But just like, yeah, obviously vodka is a huge thing in Russia and all that. So the rock community wanted to um, address the alcoholism in Russia. So they had the big make a difference concert but it was like it was what skid row motley crew ozzy osbourne the scorpions gorky park and the idea of the compilation album was every all, all the artists in the concert was to cover a song by a band that was some in some way shape or form affected by drugs or alcohol thus Skid Row doing Holiday in the Sun. Right. Ozzy Osbourne doing Purple Haze. Um, the Scorpions doing um, The Who's I Can't Explain. Gorky Park doing The Who's uh, My Generation. Can't believe I'm doing this off the top of my head. I haven't thought of this album in like 10 years. That's pretty good, dude. <laughs> Holy jeez. It's like, oh my God. Oh, it's amazing how the mind works. You know, so but what was the really bad thing about about that whole concert is none of these rock bands could stay sober the whole time. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just it was like it was like really when you hear about all the debauchery and everyone got drunk and it was it was that situation. Okay, contrary to what the Motley Crew bio series bio movie you know they fired doc mcgee because it because of the connection to Nikki six's mom and all that no 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 fucking motley crew were drunk they were pissed off because bon jovi got more stage space or pyro or whatever the fuck it was Every, everyone was drunk they punched doc mcgee out over over all of all of that bullshit and that's that's how that happened so when you when you think okay this make a difference foundation compilation and concert what a great idea okay and then when you find out like they couldn't stay sober for a fucking weekend i mean like i was I, I guess that's a problem, but I think I'd be disappointed if they were sober at that time. <laughs> you know, like, 
Well, I, no, because the idea, you know, is to address I, the. Is to I understand the, the idea, but this is like also like the late '80s, early '90s. Sam Kinison had a whole bit about this where he says, "Rock against drugs, <laughs> rock, rock created drugs. drugs." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're when they all need drug money, they go and they make these rock against drug commercials. Yeah, he's he's like rock against drugs is like Christians against Christ. <laughs> it's great, you know. Yes, I miss the late great Sam Sam yeah. Kinison. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't he, think he, he would go this. over. They, they well should today. definitely be drunk. <laughs> okay, well, that's a conversation for another day. I think maybe it's just about time to bring this crazy train into the station once again. Thank you, my friend. This was I knew. Once we both sat down and just burned through this TV show, we were going to have one hell of a chat. Um, before we get on out of here, though, I want all of our listeners, if thoughts and prayers is kind of your thing, I want you to do this. But regardless, just send just good, positive energy. And we want to say hello, hails, and horns up to Mr. Pile Driver. Old pile, old pilee, the, the exalted pile driver up here in Canada, the 80s thrasher that's still kind of doing it today. Just earlier today, as we speak, he went like I have him on Facebook and I'd gone back and forth and all that with him and all that. He announced um, that he has been diagnosed with lung cancer. So, uh, all the best, all the best to pilee. This he's a fantastic guy. I don't know why we haven't had him on the show before. We will definitely have him on, and of course, all of our longtime listeners know um, what a big fan I am of Pile Driver and just everything that the guy has meant to the Canadian metal scene over the years. And I'm sure there's oh, I know, I know there is a number of international fans because I've seen it on Facebook and I've gotten messages from listeners throughout the world over the years telling me just that they discovered pile driver and just what a cool guy he is and all that so like all all the best to him in this you know this tough part of his life we should have him on the show soon um how can uh people get a hold of us well Right before that, there's one thing I wanted to point out. Do you realize that everybody in the Sex Pistols, other than Sid Vicious, is still alive? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of hard to believe when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, insanely hard to believe. Because I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, they're all still alive. All of them. That's... Mm -hmm. Technically impossible for a punk rock band. <laughs> you know, the Ramones were not anywhere near the level of craziness that the oh, Sex yeah. Pistols were. They're, they're all gone, dead. Except, all of them. Except for Marky. Marky is still with us. Yeah, but, but, but not a single yeah. original Ramone is left no, alive. No, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, and there's so many members of Motorhead are gone. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. As well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lemmy, anyway. Filthy Phil, Wurzel, Fast Eddie. And it's rough. It's rough, man. Like our our childhood is literally dying. Yeah. And I just had to point out though that I'm like, I can't believe these guys are all still alive. 
was wow. just crazy. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And I, I hope they're around for many more years. And I hope Mr. Piledriver, dude, you've got this. You've got this, buddy. Yeah. I'd, I, I would like to see somebody set up like so, somewhere. We, we need to find a place where we can gather all these old rockers. Um, and just basically have like, like old rocker open mic night. Like imagine if just Steve <laughs> Jones shows up to play and, you know, um, yes. Gary Holt shows up and who, whoever yeah. else, you know, just ima- imagine how cool that would be. Like I'd oh. pay a cover for that. You know, oh, you never sure. know who's going to show for up, sure. but anyway, just, just see them sing karaoke even. Oh my goodness. That'd be fun. Yeah. Especially when they've had a few, that'd be a good party. But anyway, um, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, you can reach us, radioactivemetal.org. That's where all the stuff is, right? All the stuff and more. Um, That's a Ramones reference. Thank you. But um, it's that, um, that's the episodes past, present, future are going to be there. Check out the pictures of the things we talk about at radmetal666 on Instagram, facebook.com slash radmetal. Uh, radmetal666 at gmail to send us an old traditional email. Um, we are pretty much everywhere fine podcasts are found, even terrible podcasts. Like, you know, if, if you can find a rotten podcast, we're probably there too because um, <laughs> you're not going to find a podcast on the internet and not find us there, right? We're, we're everywhere. We are the glitter of the internet. You just can't shake us. And just when you think we're gone, we're right there. Um, in right fact, on. thanks to the fine folks, the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. Um, you know, since that's a wrestling podcast, you've got a wrestling night um, in Canada. And we've now got Ruby Soho, you know, tying back to the punk reference. I think that, you know, Shining Wizards Network needs to go on the road to Cambodia and we can have a wrestling <laughs> night in Cambodia. That's what there we are. While, yeah. while we're on holiday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll take a holiday <laughs> to Cambodia and have a wrestling night. I think it'll be a great time. Uh, a holiday in the sun. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, so yeah. thanks yeah. to those fine guys, we are on Spotify. So if you look up the Shining Wizards Network um, and listen to all those fine, fun podcasts, you're going to find us hanging out there with them on Spotify. And that's the stuff, right? That is the great podcast swindle. <laughs> right on. I got to remember that. That uh, uh, to get us on out of here, I could only do one pile driver song, man. Metal Inquisition. Absolutely. No one classic. expects the Metal Inquisition. <laughs> that's right. That's right. See, bring it back In to the Monty meantime. Python and something British. <laughs> oh, it's snowy. Bloody hell. <laughs> We should have talked in bad English accents this one time. Oh, the whole episode. We really should have. Oh, we, ah, uh. Next time, next time. Well, I'm thinking meantime, we, we need like like Lemmy's birthday. We should do it, you know. Oh, there we, ridiculous. Yeah. there we go. All right. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Go ahead. You can no, close it out. Okay. <laughs> the meantime and in between time. That's it. This has been a drink till midnight, pistol dawn episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And I'm Aaron. Signing off.
Yeah.